Not everybody suffered during the Great Depression. Economic downturns always make millions for a cutthroat and opportunistic few. The National Biscuit Company was among the big winners of the Great Depression. They were pioneers in mass-produced goodies that we take for granted now, developing the Unita Cracker, a single-serving biscuit wrapped in wax paper and sealed in a box. Just before the crash, they acquired the Shredded Wheat Company, getting the famous cereal and the Trisket Cracker. Two years into the Depression, the company acquired the company that made milk-bone dog biscuits. By 1934, they hired an up-and-coming swing band leader named Benny Goodman to host the Let's Dance radio show, letting his band play swing tunes for three hours every night. It cost millions, but it turned the swing music craze into a three-hour commercial for crackers. But the best thing you need to make us do is to give us three hours of dance music every Saturday night so that everyone can have fun while becoming acquainted with Unita Baker's wide variety of delicious cookies and crackers. Yes, sir. Every Saturday night, the Let's Dance program comes to you from the NBC studios in New York. And so the band played on, and the company kept growing, factory building, swallowing blocks and blocks of the Chelsea neighborhood in New York City. According to a report by the New Masses magazine, the National Biscuit Company pulled in a net profit of $109 million during the first year of the Great Depression. And the band played on until thousands of workers walked out of the factory in a massive strike at the National Biscuit Company, a strike that nobody remembers anymore, but we should. And the best person to help us remember that strike is the great poet Mae Swenson. I'm author and journalist Jason Bogue, and this is the Sad Men Podcast, the story of how men and women writers survived the Great Depression, stories that we need to hear now more than ever as we limp through our weak 21st century economic recovery. About the time Let's Dance hit the airwaves, a college kid named Mae Swenson left her life in Utah and traveled to New York City to become a writer. Swenson struggled until she joined the Federal Writers Project, a radical piece of New Deal legislation that put hundreds of unemployed writers back to work around the country. Swenson joined the folklore unit of the project, interviewing a series of department store workers, immigrants, and factory employees. Among her many reports, Swenson turned in an interview with a National Biscuit Company employee, something she converted into a stream of consciousness diary shoving her readers directly into the experience of these regular people suffering through the Great Depression. The girls are gay. We wear uniforms, white caps, and we all look alike. We would say that we feel fine even if we had to drop dead after. Poor people are fools. They work, work and sleep, and drop dead. That's all. In the New Masses magazine, one factory mechanic recounted how the National Biscuit Company cut employees during the Great Depression. Machines that once required five people to maintain it were now operated by two people, and the mechanic found himself handling an entire floor of dangerous conveyors with relentless belts all by himself. Another baker remembered how their fingers bled after shuttling hot pans all day, and another employee described it, after hours you didn't even know whether you were coming or going, you were dizzy. By 1934, the company started firing employees in hopes of stalling a union push at the bakery. The bakers' union declared a national strike, and 3,000 employees walked out around the country, leaving factory conveyor belts idle for the next 95 days of picketing, street battles, and riots. According to one reporter, cops patrolled the shuttered factory in New York City on horseback and patrol cars. 
Police with drawn guns have dispersed these pickets, firing shots a number of times. There are girls nursing injuries from horses' hooves, and a girl staying home with purple welt of a nightstick across her arms and breasts, the reporter wrote. The strike settled in 1935, a crucial boost for organized labor and a dramatic lesson for other companies who had hoped to beat unions into submission. The strike crippled the company and even forced the bakery to shut down its popular Let's Stanch radio show. The company met the strikers' demands and kept growing. By 1940, it was producing over 500 varieties of cookies, crackers, breads, and fruitcakes. One year later, the company changed its name to Nabisco, and the workforce is still unionized to this day. It took Mae Swenson 14 more years to publish her first poem, but later in her life she became famous for her sensual and lyrical poetry. The memories of the Great Depression and the reports that she wrote about the normal people never directly surfaced in her poetry. But the 1958 poem Working on Wall Street echoed the stories of those workers that Swenson met during the Great Depression. Winter rubs the sky, bruise blue as flesh. We head down into the subway, glad that the cars are padded with bodies so we keep warm, emptied from tall closets where we work. Night, a hiatus hardly real. Tomorrow, this double rut of steel will racket us back into the city. We, packages in the trade made day after day, will tumble out the hatches onto Wall Street. Seventy years later, no factory worker could ever afford to live in Chelsea, where the National Biscuit Company factories used to stand. Developers have carved the old factory complex into the Chelsea market, a high-end place for super-rich condo dwellers to go shopping. Slowly, slowly, we have peeled back our protections for workers. We are turning people back into cogs and gears and belts to be shuffled by temporary staffing agencies, constantly cycling through workers so we don't have to see them every day, so we don't have to know them. May Swenson found those workers. She leaned in close, capturing the stories of revolutionary bakers, the generation that fought for the workplace protections that politicians are actively trying to unwind at this very moment. We need to dig up these stories because they hurt us, because they are not easy, and because they are true. True stories that we would rather keep buried under the remodeled, fake, shiny surface of our 21st century work world. <laughs>